real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I am your host, Tori. Today is October 30th, 2019. Trick or Treat is right around the corner. And there is a lot going on. I mean, the Epstein autopsy. We've got the Armenian genocide card. Listen, I'm all for acknowledging genocides. This is a really important topic, but this is a political game. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this new hire. Like, what is, who is doing the hiring for the president? Guys, I cannot stress this enough. Like, what is going on here? Seriously. This guy named John Ulyot, U-L-L-Y-O-T, was hired. And, you know, obviously the New York Times put a little thing. John Ulyot, a Trump loyalist and Marine veteran, has joined the Trump administration as deputy assistant to the president and National Security Council senior director for strategic communications. Who's who's doing this hiring? It's like I feel like I need to barge into the White House and start putting people over my knee and spanking them, saying, bad, bad, you are not good for America. Who did this hiring? Like if people would stop hiring people that are not supposed to be hired. You know, um, you know, we saw that video. Uh, gosh, there's so much, and I don't know where to begin. I can tell you on the second hour we're going to be talking to about Turkey, and uh, I have Bill Nasty with me, uh, where he wrote a book called Turkey, uh, Erdogan and Trump, uh, the Trump card, you know, Turkey and Erdogan, uh, Turkey and the USA, and the relations and how President Trump are helping to stabilize, which is a kind of a fair point, but it was a different perspective, but... Having said that, when we have different perspectives, like, you know, kind of like how we see the Democrats talking and the Republicans, in the end, the foundation of both conversations is then purely evident. And that, listening to the words, listening to the words, one can hear what is truth. Okay? So conversation always manifests truth. Um, uh, this morning... Um, who was I? I, I think it was uh, Scott Adams that I was talking to. And I said, you know, the best way to have someone expose themselves in general is give them a microphone. Do we see the Democrats exposing themselves? Hell yeah. Look at them. All they're doing is aching for power. They need the power. Why? They are willing to destroy the United States of America for the sake of having power. Their stupid little pony show of an impeachment, right? The, oh, what was it to set the guidelines or whatever? You mean they just put on paper what they've been doing in secret and now they want to vote on it. I remember what I tell you. Every single person that votes for this to go forward will no longer be in Congress after 2020. 2020 comes along None of them are getting voted back in. Pelosi can buy all the votes she wants. She's going to be in old California and they're not even going to count anymore. Okay. So there's a lot um, going on. I think one of my listeners was definitely in my head for like the whole month. So this whole month I've been kind of um, mulling around the idea to say something, uh, you know, to put together something, uh, and kind of blurt it out. I'm like, you know, maybe this, but sometimes it's important to not say a lot. Okay. Um, but having said that, I will be tweeting out a picture. It's a very specific picture. 
it's a very telling picture. It is one that NASA um, found. It's super weird. So they took a picture of the sun. And guys, it is a little, not a little bit, it's very terrifying. Because it literally looks like a laughing (laughs) Halloween pumpkin. And one might say, well, you know, that's just, you know, the way, yeah, it is Halloween, but, um, it's also on fire. And, um, that would be the topic of this. Well, I don't know. Hmm. Interesting, right? So this is about the going theories that we're hearing about Seattle. So maybe we can start out with that a little bit. So I wanted to draw everyone's attention to the United Nations. Specifically, there's this organization called Citizens for Global Solutions. And their goal is to transform the United Nations into a strong democratic federation that can deliver a world of universal opportunity. This Earth Union will undertake the responsibility for establishing and enforcing global laws. Individual states remain sovereign over national concerns. The democratic world government would handle global problems that no country can solve alone. The U.S. provides an example of such a transformation during the Constitutional Convention of 1787. Hmm. Remember how I said after 1776 we had those remainers, right? All right. The loose confederation of states established after the Revolutionary War was not working. Some state militias fought battles with each other, while others had serious trade disagreements. When the Philadelphia meeting remade the Articles of the Confederation into the Constitutional Federation, we now have the change that produces peace. What would the United Federation of Nations include? It would include a UN General Assembly of Nations, a World Parliament Assembly elected by the people that constitutes the second legislative chamber. Doesn't this sound freaky? The principle uh, of it is that an appropriate level of government handles issues the private sector cannot. Sovereign states take care of national issues. Local governments handle problems at lower levels. Kind of sounds like this is the European Union on steroids, right? Most nations transform their military forces into small national guards to deal with natural disasters and maintain order during disturbances, right? You mean martial law and eradicating people. Imagine what they're doing to the president, right? Look at what they're doing to the president. Now imagine that to you, right? States must conform, must conform to universal human rights standards, a stronger international judicial system gaining jurisdiction. Isn't that the first thing that President Trump kicked out is the international criminal justice system from the United States being recognized? Just pointing things out. Funding uh, funding uh, will be shifting uh, from military to global governments, governance, administrating the world system. This is not a joke, guys. This is like legit. A peace building force for the world uh, developing, including psychologists, social workers and listeners, not depending solely on most male police military personnel like what? And a global and global ethics prevail. Essentially, the golden rule found in all major world religions: do unto others as you have them 
do unto you. So this is their, um, uh, goal. These are their goals. These are their missions. But here's where it gets really, really creepy. Their picture is from the Conference uh, sur les changements climat from 2015, you know, the climate change conference. Okay. But what's incredible is that they have an event coming along. And this event is what creeps me out. It is a very specific event that is being held on All Saints Sunday. Well, it's a duration of three days. So it begins on November 1st with, uh, you know, an opening session. This is being held at the former Los Angeles Peace Center. It's now called the Aris and Carolyn Anagnus Peace Center uh, in Los Angeles. It starts on um, Friday evening. So there's pizza and salad dinner, right? And then on Saturday... They all sit down and have a report from the exec director, group photos, lunches, um, you know, how do we talk about, uh, you know, uh, how do you like recruit citizens for global solutions, um, elevator speech. So they're training people on how to put it out. Star Trek and human destiny from a federation of planets to a federation of nations applying what Star Trek has taught us to our planet, which is communism, right? That global, right? Maybe we need to watch this again. And then they're going to be honoring a woman named Lucy Law Webster. She'll look her up. And then on Sunday, November 3rd, they're going to have fundraising discussions and discussing where does the World Federal Institute go from here. And they end their meeting at 1 p.m. Now, the weird thing is, is that when I see, um, when I saw these people tweeting about it and talking about it, uh, first of all, it looks really weird. People are booking, they have like hotels.com uh, links. Uh, people are sharing this information, which is uh, super weird, you guys. It is like so weird because they're even having Rod Roddenberry, the son of Star Trek's creator, Gene Roddenberry, there to talk. So, you know, Look up Bob Flax, who's the new executive director there. Um, registering for the whole program is $80, and that includes meals, snacks, and, you know, uh, the award dinner uh, in the evening. Dinner alone is just 28 bucks. I'm, like, totally advertising for them. I want you guys to be really, really careful. All these people are that are tweeting out have Seattle Seahawks shirts on. And the reason I say this is, you know, they mm, – they – Who's they? We've talked about they, 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 they mock us. Right now, we see the Democrats, which represent the highest level of their foot soldiers, right, of gaining this power to have, you know, this global federation. What do they call the new world order? Blah, 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 blah. In full panic mode, full panic mode. They are capable of doing Anything. Now, just a couple of weeks ago, and obviously I sent it the way I always do, which is like a letter to the Department of Justice. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that someone's just assigned to just get my letters. <laughs> and I don't even put my name on it anymore just in case they bin them too. 
So I sent them <laughs> notification that I received notification that there was some iffy stuff um, at our missile silos. So this is like a couple weeks ago. The reason I said this was because, uh, you know, there was chatter going on on the back end. Um, and it happened to be in these rooms where these people that, you know, want this global federations that are, that recognize themselves as citizens for global solutions, um, were talking. And I just wanted to say that, um, it seems like maybe my letters are getting, you know, um, uh, how do I say? Uh, taken seriously because oh, about a week ago um, I got notification uh, that in that there was an arrest made and you know maybe that person was part of this federation but um, I'll read you the report it says a spokesperson for the Minot Air Force Base says that marijuana was found in the above-ground alert facility on October 9th. No further details are being made public at this time, as it is an ongoing investigation. Authorities at Minot Air Force Base say illegal drugs were found in the above-ground facilities of Minot Air Force Base Missile Alert Facility. They say there's no indication that the drugs were found below ground or near any missile operator. They have not released the type of drugs or when they were found at this time. They say more information will be provided after a thorough investigation. This happened on October 9th. So I'm just saying, could it, could it be that they just found the drugs or could it be that they found the person that was going to ensure that there's no missile alert? So everyone hears, think about it this way. When you watch TV, you have certain cities in your, in your mind and you think of certain shows, right? So like Cheers, you're like New York, right? Uh, Grey's Anatomy, you think Seattle, right? You know, Whatever other, what is it? Um, uh, Sheldon, right? Young Sheldon. You think of Texas, right? Uh, when you think of anything fire, 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 you think of Seattle. So, you know, we see a lot of fires in California. Everyone's on fire in California. Super, super fires in California. I mean, in Seattle, can you really get a fire going? Yeah, you can. But will it be that bad? I don't know. But what can really, really set a fire that'll be that bad? Yeah, not being able to get a missile alert. And you know, we've seen them mess with missile alerts before, didn't we, in Hawaii? I'm just saying, this is all too much coincidental. That's why I'm thinking, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, some people are kind of in my head, or they're walking lock and step with me, and understanding how to see things um in a certain way. Now I've had my eyes on that for a few years. Uh, but this was actually very interesting. And you know, what's really weird. I never thought, you know, five years ago that I'd be in the middle of nowhere in North Dakota, uh, you know, with, you know, no sun, uh, <laughs> just two seasons. I mean, it was snowing today. Um, 
and it was slippery on the roads this morning. Jeez. Um, I never thought I would. I mean, I'm a city rat. I'm from New York. I was born and bred in New York. I've traveled the world. I've lived in villages that have only 20 people. None of them spoke English. And I can adapt anywhere. But this place has been the most oddest place because ever since I've been here, all this stuff has just appeared. Um, I'm just saying. But the missile facility is very interesting. It's very interesting because they made it a point for people to know that no drugs were found below ground or any near mi- or any uh, missile operator, which is really, really odd. It's a really odd statement to say. Are you trying to say that you don't have, you know, missile operators that are high? I mean, you could just drug test them. Like, why would you say that? Why would you clearly indicate it was the above ground that is the most important? Yes, the missile operator is important, but even if he pushes a button, he can't override other codes and buttons. So nobody cares if he's high. But the guy who is the missile alert facility that will tell us if there's something incoming, that will tell us how we can counter it, that will alert our missiles underground to counter something coming. Now, that's the big deal. Right, guys? Can you Can you feel me? Okay, so, you know, this was, this is how one sentence can make people feel like, oh, it was above ground. I was like, totally no big deal. No, that is the biggest deal. You can have a high operator that sits there and just looks at the screen waiting. You know, it's a really boring job. Just waiting to see if you need to fire a nuke. I'm just saying, really boring job. Um, but even if you were stoned, uh, you know, all you have to do is push the button after everybody else puts theirs and you know your code inside out. And you know how to get into the code generator if you're one of those people that get them generated from the football. I'm just saying. So there are ways that even if you're high, right, stoned, right, that you can actually operate very efficiently. Actually, you'd probably operate better high, especially under high tension like that. You'd totally cruise right through it, right? But if you're the missile alert person, I mean... Do you really think it was drugs? I'm just saying. Because the chatter was completely different. I'm telling you. From what I sent them at the end of September, it's completely different. Looked very credible. Because, you know, I've been saying this all the time and people can laugh. But if you actually look at my real computer screen, not the one that I use for like the radio show, it looks like out of a movie, like I have like 50 million things going on and I just look at it. And I think that's, you know, how we've been trained now, right? As uh, people of this century uh, to uh, lose interest very quickly, be distracted and multitask like nobody else's business. Um, so on that note, I also wanted to say... Um, Four different nations across the planet right now are reducing their foreign service officers. Now, three of those nations, I'm not going to mention because it's very on the down low. And maybe for that reason, isn't being stated. But uh, even one of my listeners uh, threw it out today. And I was like, wow, wow, that person's like really in tune. Israel's saying that they have financial problems, so they're cutting back on staff. So, you know, your embassy is your platform for your people that are in another place. Your embassy will tell your people in another nation how to find shelter, how to get back home in a case of emergency, and it's also your point 
of grounding, I would say, for your foreign policy. So when you see a nation like Israel that is not worldly recognized, right? There's nations that don't even recognize it as a nation. Cutting back on their international presence, right? This is why I'm only mentioning them. They're a nation that want to ensure they have a footprint. They are a presence in every nation that they can be a presence as, and they want to make sure they have it. So when you see them cutting back and claiming that it's money, mm, you got to think again. Because money or not, your foreign policy gets the, the top end of the budget. You know where you cut the money? Hey guys, you don't, you don't, um, take car services anymore. You take Ubers. And here's a Metro card. No more taking Ubers. <laughs> Too much. And lunches are not on us anymore. You pay for it. That's how you cut things. You don't pull staff away. I'm just making that observation to kind of, you know, give some context. Now, I just wanted to touch a little bit about Vinman because yesterday I talked about it and I was pretty, pretty quick on uploading uh, the show. And I have to thank my friend Scott from Idaho that helps me render these uh, audios. Um, I talked about Vinman and I told all of you and I've been tweeting about it. His twin is responsible. What he did was treason. He should be thrown in the brig. He wore his uniform. I don't care if he has purple hearts coming out of his ears. That doesn't mean you cannot be treasonous. The fact that he wore his uniform all decorated and stuff means absolutely nothing. It is posturing. It is insanely horrific what he did. What he did was try to alter presidential documents. He has a twin. Remember I said that. Okay. Who happens to be like an attorney. Okay. Just saying he has an allegiance to the Ukraine period. This guy should have his pension pulled. He should be thrown in a brig and tried by a military tribunal. It is the most disgusting thing I have ever seen. And you know what sucks? Well, you know, he's a witness for chef. So, you can't touch him. Man, I'm telling you, we need to be locking all these people up right quick. I mean, I really don't care what the rest of the world says. They can call us dictators. Round them up because we're playing political correctness on a political scale, not just words, but actions. We need to stop treating them with white gloves and start spanking them like, you know, John Olyot. You know, what's weird is that he was actually part of the whole VA, um, you know, with the Veterans Association, you know, uh, our VA health care. He actually tried to overthrow the guy that was fixing things, saying that he was placed there by the Trump administration to do it. So it is really weird. And it could be so that he is a good guy that got caught doing good guy stuff. I don't know. We'll talk about that after the break, just a little bit, because, you know, we've got people saying he's a Trump loyalist and blah, blah, blah. You know, a picture speaks volumes and his picture makes me want to go to Starbucks and add soy to my coffee. I'm just saying not trying to be mean, but your face, your expressions, your statements say everything. Remember, give 
a microphone to someone and they will show you who you are, uh, who they are, right? You let them speak. You put them on the, on the spotlight. That is how you know who they are because they can't help but be honest. Here, his face is on the spotlight. I urge all of you to look at it. Think about it. There's a science behind this. I've said this before. I mean, casting director, how come the villains, you know, you could spot them a mile away in a movie because there are certain features very specific to specific qualities. This is why it is not, uh, how do you say, politically correct to learn how to do that. But, you know, some people know how to do that. Uh, you know, you send someone a picture, you know, I give me a picture. I could probably tell you characteristics of the person like off the bat. And you'll be like, damn, are you psychic? It's like, no. There are features, genetically, you know, determined phenotypic features. So the phenotype is how the genetic type is expressed. You know, it's global. It's it's not rocket science. It's it's called psychonomy. <laughs> I'll see you all right after this break. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So in this half hour, I want to talk about this new appointment uh, that was made by the president. And the president announced yesterday that um, John Elliott is going to be serving as his deputy assistant um, and part of the NSC. Now, before that, he had appointed him as assistant secretary of veterans affairs, right? And it, his biography at that time was Mr. Elliott currently serves as managing partner at Brighton Strategy Group. He previously served as director of communications of the United States Senate Armed Services Committee and as director of communications of the United States Senate Veteran Affairs Committee. Mr. Elliott has held senior communication positions with, the, with Hill plus Knowlton Strategies, AOL Europe, and Intel Corporation. A former intelligence officer and scout sniper, platoon commander in the United States Marine Corps, Mr. Elliott received his Bachelor of Arts in Government and International Relations from Harvard. So um, this is the person that was appointed um, as Assistant Secretary to the VA. Shulkin, obviously, uh, you know, an Obama holdover, was claiming to be overthrown by Elliott, that there was a coup orchestrated, blah, blah, blah. So let me tell you something. If he's an intelligence officer, first of all, and he's trying to overthrow and fix or purge rubbish out of the VA, um, you know, like I said, being made is one thing. Your method being made is another. It means that he's not a very good um, implementer. I want you guys to hear how CNN announced this March, right, just a few months ago, embattled Trump appointee resigns from the Department of Foreign, uh, the, the Department of Veteran Affairs. Listen. Okay, now it doesn't want to. There we go. The Trump administration has seen a series of high-profile firings and resignations in 2018. And they more than a dozen senior members of President Trump's administration left in 2018. And over 35 have okay. left since then. On December 20th, uh, James Mattis announced he was going to resign, right? And that was effective February. That came after Trump announced that he wants to withdraw troops from Syria. 
And basically, James Mattis, remember, I analyzed the letter, because you have the right to a Secretary of Defense whose views are better aligned with yours on these and other subjects, I believe it's right for me to step down from my position. So what he was saying is, I can't sit here and advise you because you don't fall into line with what I say we should be doing. So because you're not taking my advice and implementing it rather than just taking it as it should be, which is advice, meaning that you're the president, you're supposed to make decisions, I can only advise you. Kind of like what O'Brien said during his interview, he was more appealed that he was his advice wasn't being executed. So he goes, right? Boom. And now, you know, CNN is like, oh, all these people are leaving. December 15th, Secretary Zinke was going to be leaving. That was for sure because of the stuff he did with wildlife. I mean, he, he, um, you know, resigned because of ethics investigations. Thank you for being here. AG Sessions. I think an important announcement for today. Can you give us clarity, sir, on your thinking currently, now after the midterms, about your attorney general and your deputy attorney general? Do they have long-term job security? I'd rather answer that uh, at a little bit different time. She's done an incredible job. Nikki Haley was resigning at the end of 2019. I think that it's just very important for government officials to understand when it's time to step aside. And then we have Scott Pruitt. And it's good to see you here today. What an exciting day. Tom Bossard from Homeland Security, forced to resign from his position. National Security Advisor John Bolton was replaced. Thank you. It's great to be here. I do believe it provides the resources necessary to the week. And then in March, Trump tweeted that he intended to replace VA Secretary David Shulkin. Days before he replaced the National Security Advisor with McMaster, uh, Security Advisor McMaster with Bolton. And then in March, uh, his lead lawyer for the Russia investigation, John Dowd, resigned. So because apparently President Trump doesn't get along with snakes. And then we have Rex Tillerson. Uh, he fired him with a tweet, but Rex I had predicted that for a while. For a long time. Uh, we, we got along actually quite well. But we disagreed on things. And then we have Gary Cohn, who um, was the chief economic advisor. He resigned because they didn't agree with tariffs on steel and aluminum. Then Robert Porter resigned after allegations of abuse of two ex-wives. So he had to deny the allegations and resign. Then Hope Hicks resigned later that month. And then we had CDC director Dr. Brendan Fitzgerald resign. CDC director is UN-owned anyway because she bought tobacco stock after taking over the nation's pregnancy thing. So this is these are all the people that have resigned, and I want you guys to think about this for a second, right? Think about this for a second. How many people have left? Tons. What are they? Snakes. It seems like we have snakes everywhere. Uh, you know, you can't avoid them. And one person might say, well, you know, it seems that, uh, you know, someone's doing the... I would have not hired John Elliott because he is not transparent enough for me okay ever sorry because his zygonomy is telling me one thing and how he's been acting is another that is how you you know infiltrate you guys that's called infiltration steady infiltration and look at him coming in at what time 
Again, who is doing the hiring? Where's Melania to give him some advice? I want Melania Trump to stand by her husband and say, yes, no, yes, no. All she needs to do is have a cup of coffee and cookies with them, and she will be able to read them better than anybody else. Do you know why? Because she speaks seven languages. You're like, so who cares? Just because she could speak seven languages doesn't mean that she can read people. Uh, yes, it does. Because for you to speak so many languages, to be a polyglot like that, you have to understand the nuances, the cultural nuances that come with the language. So you would be able to appropriate yourself if you were in that country. That gives you an advantage to be able to have a multifaceted approach, you know, when you're um, comprehending information going into your ears. Make sense? So I want to know who's doing the hiring. I don't trust him. And no matter what, yeah, he was there and President Trump did it. You know, you know, an article was just written a couple of days ago that VA secretary, a former VA secretary, Shokin, uh, said that there was a shadow group of political appointees that undermined his every move and left an email planning his outing on a on a printer. <laughs> like they printed out the plan on how they're going to get him out and they left it on a printer. Like this is how we're going to remove him. So he was speaking out um, for the first time because he said he was fired because he resisted attempts to quickly privatize the VA department medical care. Now, um, in one sense, I agree. In the other way, I disagree. So we should have a VA care that is government run on the fact of, you know, some of us, you know, that are that are veterans have more classified records. And so. You know, you can end up going to a doctor in the private sector and be like, yeah, so um, I got an injury and stuff. So tell me how it happened. Yeah, that that's classified. But I'm your doctor. You're supposed to tell me. Yeah. Um. So but if you're at the VA where there are government doctors, you don't have to sit there and explain. They have the ability to access that information. They have the ability to see who treated you, where you were, how it happened, because, you know, you could have had an injury, you know, in Kuwait, let's say, and they have a very specific bacterium there. And you could be suffering from, you know, uh, an antibiotic resistant bacterium that is only found in Kuwait. And so your doctor would know that your VA doctor that's government would know that that is there because they know that you were in Kuwait and they have a few things that are repetitive, you know, because we see common, you know, problems with some of our veterans in specific regions. Whereas if you go to a private doctor, you can't. So I see the point on that. We don't want to privatize it completely, but we want to have our government doctors, but we want our veterans to be able to have access to private health care when the government system can't pick it up, right? There we go. So the government part run VA should be uh, there uh, for the more serious issues, you know, where you actually book an appointment. It's not like you go into the emergency room and say, oh, yeah, you know, my knee's been bothering me. Uh, you know, change it now. You book an appointment for that kind of surgery. You don't just get a knee replacement, you know, now, now because you want to. So he wrote a book. It's so funny how all of them write a book. And that that was something that um, – I don't think I annotated yesterday in my interview uh, with Daphne Barak, but did you know that Manafort, in his plea deal, they told him he's not allowed to write a book? And it's like all of these people are just writing books. So there's this new book called It Should Be Hard. It Shouldn't Be Hard this hard to serve your country. So what Shulkin did was, you know, paint this toxic, chaotic, and subversive work environment. He says that a group of political appointees within the VA 
uh, went over his head to hold their own meetings with the White House officials on policy issues and ultimately succeeded in getting him out of his job. So they went over his head. Basically, the people that were appointed below him were like, listen, this guy's a schmuck. He's stopping us. This is what we want to do. We want to get it done, which is fine and dandy when you want to get something done. But that also shows a complete disrespect of chain of command. I'm not saying that Shulkin was a good guy. Okay, I'm saying we need to be paying attention to the steps taken. So Shulkin says that he blames the, those political appointees, which is, which basically is John, John Oliet, right, for leaking his travel schedule and lodging, um, that he used government funds to pay his wife's travel to, to Europe, you know, that he was leak, that people were leaking that stuff to do it. Now, in, 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 in this book, I just want to say, um, he says that, President Trump is creating a toxic and chaotic and subversive type culture. Yes, it's subversive because we want to get rid of the deep state. So, hey, yes. But the 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 concern that people need to know is that, you know, yeah, Shulkin had extensive experience in government. He he knew the government the way it was. And he was under secretary for health in the VA while um, under Barack Hussein Obama. Uh, you know, he's still a medical doctor himself. Um, you know, and, and I get what he's saying, but he was batting for the wrong team and he was doing with what he could. Let's be honest. Okay, guys, I'm not saying Shulkin's like a super bad guy, but for him, it was like, dude, I'm just doing my job. I did the best I could with what Hussein gave me. Who are these people coming in? This is the type of behavior you see from swamp creatures. That's what I wanted to say. So let's say Shulkin is the most completely corrupt person. And let's pretend that President Trump had appointed me as his deputy assistant secretary. And I'm like, dude, you are operating under swamp culture. You either do this, 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 or I'm going to have to go over your head. This works like this. This works like this. Tell me why it doesn't. Because like I said, conversation always finds the best solution. And through conversation, you see where that person stands. Are their pants up or down? In the end, everybody's pants are down. And then you see, do they have nice underwear? No underwear. <laughs> That's basically what happens. Like every day that I'm on this microphone, all of you are getting to know me. Like I'm butt naked, you know, to you because you're getting to know me every single thing I tell you. So this is why I say conversation is the best way to create an image of a person aside from, you know, downloading their AI profile. Cause you know, your search history says a lot about you, but anyway, so this is the problem. The tactics that Elliot used were wrong. I don't care if Shulkin was thick as a brick stubborn as anything, right? He could have been a jihadi in disguise. I don't care what he was. You could call him the devil himself. I don't care. The way he operated was not the way someone who has dignity and likes to follow protocol operates. Are you getting that? Now, jarheads, because that's, <laughs> he's a Marine, right? Have a mission and they want to accomplish it. They are not known to be subversive or manipulative in doing so. So one thing that I always tell people is look at their history. Like I said, for Daniel Jones, for example, right? He was this really hot looking guy, uh, just got out of college and went for a year on some peace mission. It seems like all of these clowns did peace missions. Is that what they call the farm now? I go on a peace mission and teach English and you know, French Guyana or something. I'm just saying. So, um, 
you know, he, he had that and then he jumped into the FBI and then suddenly he's like probing and doing the biggest intelligence probe ever under the watch of Barack Hussein Obama. Just saying. And this John Odiot is kind of similar. He went to Harvard, uh, joined the Marines. I mean, I'm looking at him and I'm like, you know, I don't want to be that person. You know what I'm saying? Where you look at them and you're like, seriously, you're a Marine? It's just Marines have a certain mentality. I work with Marines. It takes a lot to be a Marine. You've got to be really hard. You've got to be really focused on your mission. It is a, a branch of the military that I respect like nobody's business. It is one of the most loyal positions one can have. It is one of the most toughest positions in the military. Bigger than special forces for me. I'm just saying, seriously. Because it's a different kind of bond that they have with patriotism, you know, the jarheads do. And so seeing someone like Josh Elliott, and John, why do I call him Josh? Uh, seeing someone like John Elliott coming out um, as a Marine to be so non-compliant with the basic core values of the Marine Corps indicates that it's he's not your typical jarhead. I'm just going to say it like that. So, again, concerns me how we do hiring procedures. This is just my perspective, and this is because of the way the facts are. Anyone who is a Marine knows that the chain of command is the holy grail. You never subvert it. Even if your commanding officer is freaking, you know, you know, he takes off a mask and it's al-Baghdadi, you still wouldn't go over his head the way Ulyat went over Shulkin's head. You would do it another way. You would shift to another commanding officer that is in equal rank or you would get together and file a complaint and let the person know because Marines, the one thing they do is they don't do things behind your back. They don't leave notes saying, we're going to ask you like this on a printer. Like, how lame is that? You know, whispering like little girls in the back. These people are the muscle. These people are the protectors. These people are the ones that the president activates. And it's like, boom, you're so done. So I am telling you, the facts do not align with the statements. Are you getting it? I don't care if you're like, well, you know, he did the job of the president while he was. Yeah, okay, he did. But he's a Marine and he didn't do it like a Marine would. So either he's not a Marine or he's he was pretending to be a Marine to be able to pull this off. See, many, many times we say it was always the plan, the plan, the plan. And, you know, here's time traveling Tory coming out to tell you that if, you know, the good guys can foresee or time travel or whatever you want to call it, so can the bad guys. We're all on a level playing field. The only thing is the scales are always tipped in the good side always. And it's always the bad side, the evil side that kind of gets aggressive and thinks they know better. And then, you know, they shoot themselves in the foot, basically. So, again, the important thing to know here is that when we're looking at news like this and you see people just putting it out, whoa, he's a Trump loyalist. That's great hire. It's like, stop. Especially if you've been in the military. Stop. He's a jarhead and he subverted his superior. That is something a Marine would never, ever do. Core values, you guys. Core values. All I say is just look at the picture, too. 
and then think combat, think activation. Because I know a lot of Marines, uh, you know, <laughs> I've worked with them a lot and they're my favorite and the scariest. You know, do you know what it's like? <laughs> I remember when, uh, I was in a class and a Marine was assigned to, you know, either Air Force or Army or, you know, Navy or, you know, non-uniformed government officials and they're assigned and, you know, it's like, okay, so, you know, why am I assigned? Like, do I need like a buddy? Is this like a battle buddy thing? They're like, no, they're there. If you get caught, you get shot in the head by them and then they take themselves out. And it's like, well, that's a waste of money. I mean, they speak the same language. They know the same thing, but they execute orders and they do not question command. This is why they're scary. You know, saying, you know, scary in the sense of, you know, Hey, maybe we could talk this out. <laughs> I'm just saying these are the reality. This is the reality. So again, the one thing we should always question is who is doing the hiring? Why are they infesting the White House with snakes? Snakes that have been planned, just like the administration was planned. Why are they infesting the White House with snakes? That is the question you need to ask yourself. But on the other hand, <laughs> President Trump, he keeps his enemies closer than a pacemaker is to a heart, guys. So every single person serves their purpose. And in this case, people that are snakes are very important because the only way you can find an ant's lair, right, is by following it. So that's what you do, period, on that one. So I'm going to go with the, hey, we know they're a snake and we're just bringing them on. Kind of like Vindman, super double agent. Super slotted into the Trump administration. Super because they knew that they were going to knock it with the Ukraine because they knew that we were going to get all over that. Trusting the plan is important, but you have to understand that they also had a plan to counter the plan now that they're catching up. They're catching up. But see, again, scales are always tipped in the direction of good. Now, the president of the United States hasn't actually commented on Brexit, which is interesting. Um, I expected him to say something on it not happening because it's like deadline tomorrow. And we're going to talk about that uh, for sure. Um, we're going to definitely talk about that um, tomorrow on Halloween. And uh, so... It's, um, it's pretty interesting. Now, uh, on that note, I wanted to say the president has been, uh, pretty, uh, uh, pretty vocal today. He's tweeted a lot. He's said a lot and he's reinforced a lot. And that should tell you everything you know. Remember, I've always said, listen to what your president says. Don't listen to the news. Well, he's saying his last tweet about a couple of hours ago was precisely the same program that the Democrats are trying to impeach President Trump for supposedly slow walking tomorrow right here in the Senate. They, the Dems, say they're going to filibuster for the same exact program. 
So they're do-nothing Democrats. Our country cannot afford for the Democrats in Congress to take one-year vacation from any productive legislation just because they would rather obsess over impeachment. ISIS and other radical terrorists are not going to hit the pause button because the Democrats won't fund the U.S. military. Congress needs to do its work. We need to fund our armed forces. The Dems are a lost cause. In 2020, we need a big, beautiful win all three. And we totally will. I mean, right now we have terrorists everywhere and they don't even want to fund the military because they're like, oh, no, that's not fair. You're not going to do that to us. We're not going to allow it. We're you're, we're not funding you. So we're just going to let people get blown up because we feel like it until this happens. Now, yesterday, um, you know, Vinman was up and President Trump actually um, put this in a tweet. And I'm glad he did because I was trying to hint on it. But then, you know, Here's the thing that happens is that other people that think they're better journalists, you know, like, oh, I'm I'm a journalist. Like, why is he retweeting this person when he should be retweeting me? Because I have a photo of myself with Mueller. Um, and that's referring to a CNN analyst who claims to have worked with the FBI, which he probably did. I mean, look at the look at CNN. Have you seen their panels? This is who is telling us what to listen. People that have been fired from the FBI, people under, uh, uh, you know, sealed indictments for criminal activities against the people of the United States. Those are their people that are telling us what to think about it. The people that have been convicted for lying. We have McCabe on the screen and it's like, but he's a liar. He just withdrew his lawsuit from, uh, you know, fighting against the government because now he knows that there's a criminal indictment out on him. Like, are we serious right now? Those are the people that are giving us advice. It's like me giving someone advice about, you know, wait, about cars. I know nothing about cars, but I'm going to sit here and tell you, yeah, you should like totally do that, 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 and use this, this, this. I know nothing about it. Or wait, no, something better. Oh, I should educate people on not smoking. As a smoker myself, I could tell them this is, you know, how you quit smoking because I'm a smoker and I know better on how other people can quit, but not me. It's, it's, it's a catch 22, right? It's a catch 22 for their brain, for the left's brain, because the only people that are listening to this are the insane people like Rosie O'Donnell, that is probably insanely foaming at the mouth and enjoying impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. I mean, President Trump said it the best. He said yesterday's never Trumper, okay, witness could find no quid pro quo in the transcript of the phone call. There were many people listening to the call, you know, how come, you know, including the president of the Ukraine said nothing was wrong with it. This is a complete witch hunt. Complete witch hunt. They want power and they will stop at nothing to get it. Now, after this break, we're going to have Bill Nasty and we're going to be talking Turkey and relations, etc., etc. See y'all in just a bit. Real news. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So this is the second half hour, and I wanted to start it off. Uh, as you know, we've been talking about foreign policy a lot. 
we've been talking about what's going in the east, uh, going on in the Eastern Mediterranean and the Middle East, and just how important is a piece of geography Turkey is. Um, I've said this over the past year how important Turkey is because it uh, brings together Europe. Asia, Minor Asia, Asia Minor, as whatever you want to call it in the Middle East, that is the gatekeeper, basically, uh, for Europe, the Middle East, and Asia to Africa. And with all these investments in railways from the east to the west, trying to connect and create a better, uh, more unified environment, I would say, in trade and bringing in this dark continent of Africa into play, uh, Turkey geo positioned as the gatekeeper and also the gatekeeper of energy uh, for Europe. And of course, with everything that's going on in Syria, uh, it's important that we talk about it. And we have with us today uh, Erbil Gunasti. Everybody knows him as Bill Gunasti, who wrote a book called Game Changer, Trump Card, Turkey and Erdogan. And I'm so excited to have him here uh, to discuss his book and tell us, you know, why he wrote this book and where he sees the relationship between uh, Turkey and the United States going. Um, Bill, welcome to the Tory Says Show. How are you doing today? Hi, Tori. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. How are you? Very good. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, all my listeners and myself want to know, like, who did you write this book for? Because a lot of people write nonfiction books and they have in mind who would be able to read it. Now, for me, this would be a read. And my listeners know that I'm into all of this stuff. And these yeah. are the types of books that I go to. Um, so why don't you tell them who you had in mind when you wrote this? Well, t- two people uh, in mind. One is uh, American audience. Uh, so I'm a new American. Uh, so I know an area. I thought I would explain it to them how I know it the best way possible so that uh, they can make the right decision uh, for all of us together. Now, the other audience I have are actually two people. One of them is President Trump. The other one is President Erdogan. I'm an insider to both of them, yet by writing in this book, uh, I, I put things that they would not be able to say it or have time to say it or opportunity to say it or reasons to say it, so I say it on their behalf. Since I'm a new advisor, it may be assumed that I'm talking to them directly, indirectly, or one way or another communicating to them, yes, to all those answers. Uh, Somehow, uh, there is a communication that I wouldn't go into detail what it is, but whatever I write in it, uh, it is addressed to them and to American audience, to both of them. Yeah, because, you know, and I like the fact that you said it's to the American audience because for the first time in a very long time, the United States is actually looking like it's a for the people run by the people. Um, and this is why President uh, Donald J. Trump won the election and he's definitely going to win it in 2020 again. He's going to leave some really big shoes to fill in 2024 because it seems that he has tapped into the voice of the people. And uh, correct, it would be great if the people were educated that way they could drive the policy because what we see is his policy is America first. And when Americans make decisions, they want to know that it benefits their country first, not everyone else, because it seems 
all the previous administrations, right, Bill, are kind of just looking after their own selves and other people rather than the people of the United States. So in this book, you go into some details about how important it is to understand uh, migration and the changing demographics. Um, I'd love for you to talk about that to my listeners. Yes. First of all, I thought you said four more years. I thought it should be eight more years, right? That's what we are talking about because you need <laughs> yes. eight more years. So it will be 12 years. This way, what is uh, done to America in 12, 24 years by, I call three amigos, Clinton, Bush 43, and Obama, the damage they have done in 24 years can be reversed at least halfway in 12 years. So uh, we need Republicans in power to adjust the course. Now, you made the opening in your statement. Uh, Turkey is the gatekeeper, yes. You know, Byzantium was there for a thousand years. It was the gatekeeper for a thousand years for Europe. It prevented Muslims or others, Asians, coming invading the Western civilization. Now, Turkey took over that job. It became a gatekeeper, correct, but also land bridge. Uh, land bridge means bringing oil. 30% of energy supply today comes through Turkey via pipelines or other ways through Russia, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, Azerbaijan, Iran, and Iraq to Western Europe. 30% of it. That's a balance of power for Western Europe, Russia, and Turkey. Uh, to establish a, you know, stable Europe for the sake of Western alliance and for the leadership of the U.S. So gatekeeper actually is applies to the Muslim, Asian, or African migration that's coming to Western Europe. And if they come, that's the only land bridge Turkey is that they can walk through or other ways, you know, one way they come in, they come to Turkey, then they jump onto Greek islands, and then to the mainland Greek, and that's where Western Europe is. And that's a big problem. And there is so many people, as you know, and not many people pay attention to it because no one reports these things, that there are so many migrants in Greece today are ready to go to Western Europe. They are on hold there. And Turkey is holding 4 million of them in its own border, Syrians. This is a big problem. That's why when President Trump came to power and he said, hey, let's build a wall. That's a priority. It's, it's not the wall. The wall is not for the Latin Americans, Southern Americans. It's for whole, all of the world. When they cannot come to Europe, they will trickle in through the southern borders. And uh, that's what it is. It's all interconnected world. And... Uh, I put the blame on the 24 years of the globalist regimes that preceded 2016 elections. I agree with you 100%. I've I've actually told my listeners in the past, you know, people don't tell you that like the island of Lesbos had literally only 10,000 inhabitants, right? Like permanent inhabitants. Mm -hmm. And then one day, you know, over 11,000, that means more than the actual population of that island just appeared on their shores. And, you know, what do they do? I mean, you know, Greek people are open, they give, they give. But if you go to Athens today, which is the capital of Greece, it doesn't even look like Greece anymore. 
yeah. because they have same as yeah same as Italy, same as all the and France, of Europe. Right. My my best friend Bill lives in Paris. She it does. You can't recognize these cities anymore. Uh, they just seem not what they are. So when you travel and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to go see the Eiffel Tower, you see it. You go to the Louvre, right? Everything. But in the end, you know, you don't even see French people anymore. There's there's no. no French about it. And the more you say it, people are like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Because when, you know, when we have tourists coming in to Europe from Australia or the United States, you know, they don't see that. They see the buildings, but they don't see that the people are not French or they're not German or they're not, you know, it's all different. The face of Europe has changed completely. Well, look at look at London. London has a Muslim mayor. Why do you have a Muslim mayor? Simply because there is a Asian uh, and Muslim and minority majority right now. They became majority and they are in power. And nothing wrong with having a Muslim mayor, but is that uh, that's the reflection of it? That's what the people's will. In now, uh, do you expect? Would you like to see the same thing in half a dozen European capitals? The same thing, Muslim mayor. Well, maybe at the end of the day, you will have it. But uh, the way the globalists are running, uh, you know, the past 24 years, that speeds up the process. Instead of coming them in a regulated way, the migration, uh, they came irregular way, massive ways. And so you may see half a dozen more countries, capitals, uh, with Muslim mayors in 10 years. If it go, if it, uh, if you don't have President Trump type of regimes in place, both in the U.S. and in Europe. Yeah, you know, like, for, just to be clear, I have no problem if there's a Muslim mayor, first of all. But the point of the matter is, is that when the majority uh, falls under a certain group, uh, that's where it changes. Because in, in England, I lived, you know, um, you know, down right by, you know, the West End of London. And, uh, the first, mm-hmm. you know, property that I got was in Stratford. So when I first got that in, uh, back in 2001, right? It was just yeah. Stratford, East London. They were going to hold the Olympics. You know, it was a great investment. And uh-huh. it changed. Ilford, that was the area of, you know, the more dominant Muslim community. Um, and that's where, you know, they have more of the radical attacks, you know, Barking Essex, Ilford Essex. You know, that's that's where I would go to Green Street to get my eyebrows threaded or to get the best spices coming in from the Middle East or India or Pakistan. Like if you wanted, you know, it was there because just like in every other nation, when people migrate, they create their own communities. Kind of like the Greeks, when they came to the U.S., they made their own community in New York, right? In Astoria, sure. New York or in Tarpon Springs in Florida. Um, but they but they kept it contained in London, what I'm seeing, and this is this is where you're getting at, is that now it's the more dominant majority because of the culture. Uh, um, well, English people well, and Americans, yeah, are being trained not to have children, not to, you know, even, yes. you know, accept biology. And so population rates for, you know, the Brits, the French, the Americans are dropping to below sustainability, meaning that they're going on the path to extinction uh, by, you know, ecological statistics, whereas... Those cultures that are migrating that have four plus kids, right, are increasing. And that is a, that's questionable. We have your own government, you know, telling you don't have kids, don't think men and women should be together, don't this, don't that. 
And then they're bringing in people that are populating faster than anything, right? Of course. Look, you know, there's a, there's a nature out there. The demographics of the world is increasing. In the next 30 years, according to whatever the information from UN and everything else, there will be 2 billion more people on Earth. And most of them will be Muslims, most of them will be Asians and Africans. None, uh, nothing coming up uh, from the Western Europe, Western civilization side. So where are these people going to head? 5% of them, I argue in the book, if only 5% were to come West, which naturally they will, of the 2 billion people, that's 100 million people coming to Western Europe. And the demographic will change automatically. Now, this can change rapidly and violently like it is happening now, or it can change over a period of time in a manageable way so that you can you protect the values of the Western civilization, which is good to have, you know, where it is. We are cherishing that. And it is good for the whole world to have Western culture and civilization, uh, you know, cherished and grow, prosper, as well as the other cultures. There are Indian cultures, there's Chinese cultures, all kinds of cultures out there. But let them coexist in a manageable way instead of one invading the other uh, irregularly through irregular migration or whichever, like you mentioned, that, you know, uh, you, you cannot tamper with the nature. Uh, let the nature be itself. If so, so that the coexistence continues. Now, in that respect, Turkey, as a land bridge, can regulate this migration. Uh, to bring you to the point that you made in the beginning, Turkey can regulate how many people are coming. Right now, there is 10 million people waiting within the borders or just outside the borders of Turkey. About 10 million, even more, and Turkey is holding them back. So that's why when President Trump goes out and pulls 2,000 troops out of Syria, it's not that 2,000 troops are being taken out of there. There are five different major issues, pocketbook issues, that affects you, me, as Americans here. That's what I wrote in the book. It's not that you focus on 2,000 troops coming or not coming. Okay, Obama made a mistake, put those troops there. He should not have put it. We can blame all day long. We don't need to. Right now, you have to look for the future. What President is Trump doing is he's doing five, six things that are existentially important for us, the Americans, here, to, to save the Western civilization. Simple is that. Yeah, well, no, I agree. You know, I wanted to get your insight because you know Turkey very well. I mean, for me, if I was Angela Merkel or, you know, Macron, right, I would totally be terrified of Erdogan flipping the switch and not giving us power. Like, the power that Turkey has right now is simply turning a switch and making Europe solely dependent on Russia for energy. I mean... You know, that is, you know, I guess that you would call it Erdogan's trump card, right? Um, to be able to maintain, you know, their position because it, you know, this is probably why Europe won't even, you know, say, Hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Hey, you shouldn't be doing. They're really careful because he's really got the trump card. All the pipelines, like you said, and I've been telling my audience for over a year, 
all of them, it's kind of like the, the, the knot, right, is sitting yes. in Turkey. So you're getting Russian, you're getting Azerbaijan, you're getting everything, and you're getting the Middle East. And it's all coming well, to Turkey, and, and, and Erdogan turns the switches. Okay, you get power, you get power, you get power. And, um, you know, that's a big deal because the European Union has failed to be able to get other export lines uh, fixed from uh, the Middle East. You know, like they attempted to, uh, you know, um, pretty much lay out Syria so they can do one right across the Med to circumvent Turkey, and they failed. So, well, you know, that's uh, the lower you are touching You are touching things that are, uh, you know, requires lots of time to to explain. But simply put, here's an example. Israel discovered hydrocarbon reserves in 2009, right, in the Eastern Mediterranean. Now, we are in 10 years later, 2019. Israel couldn't sell one gram, one drop of this hydrocarbon to Western Europe. So it explains what Turkey is. If Israel today had a relationship, good relationship, with Turkey, Israel could have sold that hydrocarbon in 2011 to Europe as an alternative line to all the others that's coming from Russia, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, Azerbaijan, Iran, and Iraq, and give more security to Europe. But instead, the, the pipeline that you are just talking about, in a good estimate, it will take 10 years and over $7 billion. In 10 years and $7 billion can always have issues, delay, or not happening. So that means that Israel will never be able to sell that or, uh, hydrocarbon ever. So Israel today can be 10 times wealthier. And everybody else around Turkey can be 10 times wealthier. And Western Europe can be 10 times safer. And U.S., will be the beneficiary of all these good developments in this region because this is the soft belly for the U.S., Middle East and Europe against the rising China and India coming up. Oh, India has been coming up for a while. I mean, their population is huge and they're really smart and, uh, you know, they've, they've got the manpower, the people. I mean, China though, or I, I, for me, how I see them is, you know, they stick to their own thing and they just wait for everyone else to be in a weakened position and then strike. But you know, something that people don't know is, We've discussed this before on the Tory Says Show, how Israel isn't recognized as a nation by many, many nations across the planet. Like, they won't recognize an Israeli passport. But people don't know that Turkey was the first uh, Muslim-majority country to recognize the state of Israel. And, the only. Yeah, wait, and the second one was Iran. That yeah. was crazy. So when I uh, when I saw that, uh, you know, it kind of threw a wrench into um, thinking, what is going on here? How is Iran and Turkey, which are you know pretty much excluded from the Arab nations, right? They they pretty much treat them as excluding um, from the Arab community. Are the ones that you know um, recognized Israel, and that could be the reason too. But it don't was, forget. Turks are not Arabs, and Iranians are not Arabs. They are, and Iranians actually are more brethren, closer in race to Turks 
than they are to Arabs. Yeah, Mediterranean. So from that pers- yeah. from from that perspective, uh, you know, a Turkish mine is a independent, fiercely independent mine. So they go based on common sense. And uh, you know, they are fierce warriors. We talked about that. If it was in Middle Ages, they'll be vicious warriors. But we live in the 21st century right now. And but certain cultural elements are with them, and one of them is tolerance. So uh, Turkey today supported, I mean, Turkey supported Israel in 1948 when the uh, U.S. recognized it. And since then, none of the Muslims recognize. There's 53 other Muslim countries, uh, other than the two of them were bribed in, you know, because of the Kissinger time uh, to recognize Israel. And, and that's what it is, artificial uh, recognition. You know, the reality is uh, is tough over there. This This needs to be explained to American people so that they can make their own judgment. And President Trump, that's why, why did I write the book? I write the book because there is President Trump. Otherwise, I would not have written this book. I would have lived in the closet like most of the Republicans are living. I mean, we took the LGBT community out of the closet. We put the Republicans in there, basically. That's what we are doing. We did in America, and it's not good. Nobody should be in the closet. Well, what do you think? I mean, do you think that Erdogan is going to come to the United States next month and visit with President Trump? Because I know that they were flirting with the idea of meeting with each other this summer in July. But, you know, as the tensions were growing for sanctions to be put on Iran that, you know, Turkey refused to do. Because Turkey is the kind of nation that says, you're not going to tell me what to do. Uh, so we have two yeah. alpha males discussing, and one of them, you know, can cripple the European Union with the flip of a switch and, you know, mobilize, uh, you know, from what, what, you know, people don't know this term, but it was called um, small Asia, Mikrasiatis, which means like the yeah. small Asians. Asia Minor is where yeah. Iran and Turkey sit because they're not Arabs, they're not Africans. Africans. They're not Europe, Europeans. They're not Asians. They are independent. They're like that middle part. Um, so they called them small Asia, uh, which is the gatekeepers. And that stems back, I think, from the Mongolian times, isn't it? When the Mongols were coming out um, west, um, yeah. you know, that they were holding the fort there. But the, the question here that I have for you is now he's supposed to be coming here in November. I mean, what talks do you see happening? Because you know, Turkey right now has been, you know, really aggressive in the eastern Mediterranean, starting to drill for oil in areas that, you know, are recognized by the rest of the world to be Cyprus's waters. And Israel is saying, nope, this whole plate is mine. I don't care what you say. Um, and so they're getting pressure from Europe, you know, and Europe doesn't want to put pressure because Erdogan could say, oh, yeah, you want to play like that? Here's the switch. And um, now Turkey's getting a lot of pressure because suddenly, after so, so many years, you know, the, the House Democrats decided to throw some gas onto the flame of this relationship between President Trump and President Erdogan by pushing through the Armenian genocide. Now, hear this. I'm not saying that the genocide didn't happen because genocides have happened like this 
thousands of years so many times because these are wars that are so old, you know, from Sumerian tablets, right? I tell people, we don't speak Sumerian. There's very few people that can decode Sumerian, right? We have to decode it. So that is how far and deep-seated it is. But the point is, the minute a a nation recognizes on paper a genocide, it's kind of like in the United States. When they want to pass red flag laws, they don't just do it federally. What do they do? They go to every state. And the minute 25 states or 26 states have voted in red flag laws, then they push it for federal. Well, the same thing goes here. If the United States actually passes a bill, you know, passes it and makes it writ that the United States recognizes that this was a genocide, side, this then causes turmoil for Turkey, right? With the UN, with NATO, because then more nations have signed it. So it's like the majority and that is bad on them paying reparations, you know, sanctions. I mean, what's your take on that? Because that was a really weird move by the Democrats because they were the ones that were always stalling the signing of this. And it's been going around for years. And now they decide to pull that card. What do you think? Look, uh, I, I, I write this thing comfortably in the because I came to the conclusion after you read and write and uh, you put it together, analyze it. I'm a political scientist. I studied that all the time. Democrats are li- still living in the 20th century. 20th century has ended 20 years ago. In the more they push for it, that's why I say eight more years of President Trump. Why? Because we have to. Uh, act like we are in the, we have to understand as Americans that we are in the 21st century. What West, Western alliance, Western countries, Christian Europe was able to do against Turkey in the 20th century can no longer be done in the 20th, 21st century, past 20 years. Turkey has moved along. Right now, anything that has passed like this, these two uh, bills that you're talking about, and that means loss of American jobs and loss of American security. Turkey would not care if these things pass. We will, it will drift further to the east together with India, China, Russia, and other Muslim countries, 54 of them. They will suddenly be joining, doing more things. Right now, you are saying Erdogan is not switching the uh, electricity off and off, off and on in Europe. No, they are doing it together with Russia. If they want today, they can finish off Western Europe uh, together, Russia and Turkey. Right, flip of the switch. Cutting. Right. Uh, yes, together they can do it because uh, the most of the oil uh, energy is coming from Russia. And uh, Turkey can just, I mean, their partnership can finish off. But there is a balance of power there. Russia, Western Europe, and Turkey are, have established this balance of power. They recognize it. Don't forget, a Russian ambassador was killed by a Turkish man, Turkish police, in Istanbul, in Ankara, I think, uh, assassinated, right? And then Turkey shut down a Russian aircraft. All these things took place within six months period. I'm not going to go into conspiracy theories, what happened. And what's happening, like a tech down against our president, happened there. It didn't succeed. But what happened is that Putin and Erdogan, two presidents, immediately realized what's happening against them, their union. They stopped and they became best of the friends. 
And they agreed to make $100 billion business together, trade, to prosper both countries. Now, when they did this, that $100 billion Turkey made an agreement with TradeWise that buying lots of stuff from Russia and selling lots of in return, that means all those American jobs are gone to Russia. Simple as that. This is what President Trump has saw smartly in the first day that he came in. He said, what is this going on? What is these Democrats are doing? What they are doing, they are giving away American jobs to Russians. And that's why when the Jamal Khashoggi murder came into place, what did President Trump say? He said, no, I don't care. I am going to sell $100 billion worth of stuff to Saudi Arabia no matter what happened. Business is business. Why? Because otherwise Russia is going to sell it. I'm not stupid, he said. That's right. That's what the Democrats did. Gave away $100 billion high-paying jobs to Russians in the mix of everything else, switching on and off European light we are talking about. Also China. China today, the BRI, the Belt and Rail Initiative, is coming. Yes. There are six lines coming to Europe, mm -hmm. which is the most profitable line where there is no snow. We are in Dakota right now. It's snowing, like yes. you said. Yes. Today, the, the, the only line that works from Beijing to London, train line, goes, goes through, through Turkey. Turkey. Mm -hmm. And that means that this is the breadbasket of Europe. In other words, Turkey, China, and Russia can hold... Europe, Western Europe, Christian Western Europe, hostage if they want it. No, they will not. They'll work. The only country that's out of this equation is United States of America, which is supposed to be in the mix of everything at that level. That's why President Trump pulled those troops out of Syria. 2,000 troops cannot stop a sole superpower being in the grand game, which it belongs, rightly so, and in a major way. So this is the vision, this is the, the, the wisdom of President Trump that we should be talking about, and this wisdom has to go to the congressmen, each one of them, and women, each senators, and first to the Republican ones. First, when you pass a bill, you have to see how many more billions of dollar high-paying jobs you are giving away from Americans to Russians, then to Chinese and others. But mainly right now, Russians are taking it. They have already taken $100 billion. That's why, to answer your question, to make a point, that's why Erdogan, President Erdogan is coming in November to White House. Not to talk about troops, Kurds, this, that, nothing of that. He's coming to talk about how to bring $100 billion more new, high-paying jobs to America. That's what they're going to talk about. And that is the additional $100 billion that is already lost to Russian, American jobs that are lost to Russians. This is the new $100 billion that the President Trump does not want to lose. And if he stays, and we expect him to stay, of course, for another four years, in there will be another $100 billion that's coming in because that's the way the economies of Turkey, China are growing at a rate that is growing. 
they will be able to absorb or produce these new jobs. Also in other countries, Indonesia, another Muslim country. These two countries that have to be the allies of United States of America. Today, U.S. cannot sell anymore more items, more than what it is selling to Western Europe. That's why there's a deficit. That's why they are, Europeans are selling, selling more to us than we are selling to them. And the same thing to China. We cannot sell it to them. With the, where are the new markets? New markets are the rising Muslim markets. There's seven Muslim countries. According to United Nations and the you know, global organizations, seven countries are getting into the top 20 economies in the world, and seven Christian Western European countries are falling from the top 20 in the next 10, 20 years, 10 years. You don't even have to wait after the one decade. So what does that mean? Those economies, seven Muslim, two of them is Indonesia and Turkey. This is where the U.S. is going to sell it. And if you don't have Turkey working with the U.S. today, and most of those Muslim countries will not be there either because they are in the orbit of Turkey because of historical, military, economic, spiritual uh, leverages that Turkey has over them. Tur Turkish Airlines today flies to most countries on earth than any other airline. What is Why it is doing this? This is like their Hollywood. When we had Hollywood, we sold chewing gums, jeeps, and everything to, the, to everybody in the world. Turkish Airlines is going every capital. It's bringing products. It's bringing goodwill. And with that, you want to throw this thing to the Easterns? to have China, Russia, India take Turkey on their side under the Shanghai Cooperation uh, Organization that they created, they're inviting Indonesia and Turkey to that. If Turkey goes in there, where is U.S. going to sell? Where, where is the market that the U.S. is going to sell Bill, and grow? you are preaching to the choir because I've told my listeners over a year right of shows and being on air that turkey is the most prime real estate it's like boardwalk you know on monopoly uh it connects all these continents it opens the door for trade it holds the keys to the kingdom for power and what it seems like and this is what i think and you know uh obviously everyone has to you know get this book i think it's going to be out in january right january 28th it's going to be uh, yeah. ready to purchase you guys can pre-order on amazon it's called game changer turkey and erdogan game changer the trump card and um uh, the the whole thing is, is that these globalists, these previous regimes that ruled in the U.S., uh, globalizing, uh, the planet had the idea of giving all, you know, creating the infrastructure in Turkey of all these pipelines of everything. And because Turkey has had such a, uh, an excluded type personality, they can't be in Europe because the Europeans don't want them, but, you know, uh, every time they try to go in the EU, you know, they'd say, no, thank you. We don't want you. Every time they go here, no, we don't want you. And they're kind of, like you said, different. They don't belong to this. They don't belong to that. They're independent because of where they're located. And so I, my idea was, look, they're going to throw in all this money with infrastructure. They're going to build the globalist population around them. Take the Americas. You know how they were going to do the North American Union. Like people totally missed that. If Hillary Clinton yes. was president today, 
there would be no United States of America. There would be a North American Union, and right now we would be battling for Central America and South America to join. This is where we would be at at 2019. And um, then with the manpower, they would annihilate Turkey and take it over. I mean, that that was their plan. And like you said, at any given time, Turkey and Russia can flip a switch and literally collapse the European Union. So they're walking on thin ice. This is why the Democrats in the United States are so desperate for power right now that they are willing to destroy our nation to get it done because we've ruined their plan. Because for some reason, the um, infant rulers of the United States that have penetrated that great idea that came up in 1776, right? Where George Washington said, you know, forget this union with the crown. We're out of here. We're going to do it ourselves. We're going to try something different. There were still remainers, kind of like what's going on in Brexit, right? There were still remainers, and they thought, well, we'll just slowly change it, and then we'll take over the world. They're back into the empires. And it's like there's a... There's a saying, you can't, you can't, you know, do tricks to a clown. Clowns know tricks, right? And so, you know, if you're a master at doing tricks, you know, how are you going to trick a master at tricks? And the thing is, the Ottoman Empire, the Byzantine Empire, those have been around for thousands of years. Where are these people that are only 200 years old coming from? Thinking that they yeah. can pull the trick over, you know, the domain of Lebanon, of Syria, of Jordan, of, of, of Turkey, of Iraq, of Saudi Arabia. Like all these nations have been there forever. And yeah. they're going to come and pull the wool over their eyes and take over. It's going to be bloody. And so, you know, Erdogan's kind of stuck in the middle. He's like, do I go left? Do I go right? Do I just, I'm just going to stay here for now. And if they really pee me off, I'm just going to, you know, start it. And I'm going to light a fire if they, you know, push me. And uh, Trump is regulating that. He's like, listen, don't go overboard yet. Let's talk. Because I'm a big power. I don't have any business in this area. But we need to regulate this. Because you're armed to the teeth to destroy them. There's other people that think by destroying them, they destroy us. So we all need to kind of, you know, keep the cool. It's like he's totally chill. I mean, with the Taliban in Qatar, you know, the mediation there with Afghanistan and the Taliban party. That's a big deal. So, so I, 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 I want you before we go, just tell people like what to expect from your book. Well, from the book, uh, uh, we expect to understand that we are in a new century in that the chapter is closed in that, uh, even like you put it together, if the Democrats were to come to power, which I don't expect them, they'll come, they'll be able to come to power because the forces, international forces are too strong uh, and they will influence uh, us here. So I am, it's a warning. My book is a warning for American audience to talk to their senators and congressmen so that they can be on the same page on issues of energy issues, jobs issues, and all. Those are the elements. And where they are, where is the world, how is the world growing, and where are the markets, and how we should ally, you know, objectively. And you cannot just talk about Turks, hatred about the Turks uh, from coming from the Middle Ages. We live in the 21st century, and we have to live together, everybody. And for that security of the Americans first and security in the globe, U.S. has to remain 
the sole superpower or the most biggest power. And uh, it has to establish the balance of power against the rising East led by China. And for that, the U.S. must not have soft bellies in the Middle East and in Europe. And both soft bellies can be eliminated with an alliance with Turkey. Simple is that because we were allies with Turkey since 1950s. It worked for us. We prevented, you know, Soviet empire coming down and taking over the world, and we finished it off. Now, in the 21st century, we will fend off this demographic growth from coming from Asia and Africa. We will manage it with Turkey in a crucial role, like you explained it, and together in making all the countries you also mentioned Armenia, Israel, and Greece. They'll all prosper 10 times more together with Turkey as part of the integrated element to the Western alliance. This is what the book is about, uh, you know, how to make sure that uh, we have a planet to live on. Um, well, Bill, I, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the Tory Says Show. I thoroughly enjoy having conversations with you in regards to, uh, you know, uh, geopolitics, global, you know, foreign policy, because it's so hard for people to talk about these areas of conflict when they haven't had their own boots on that ground to understand it um, and understand the culture and the history and the dynamics of it. Um, so everyone remember um, uh, Turkey and Erdogan Game Changer, the Trump card. It It is available for pre-order right now on Amazon and it will be delivered after January 28th, 2020. It's pretty incredible and, you know, uh, it seems like Bill may be slotted in to take a part in being presidentially appointed um, to to mediate and be an advisor in this area. So that's kind of great. Uh, Bill, thank you so much for uh, coming on. I can't wait to have you again. Um, well, this conversation could not have taken place unless there was you on the other end who know whatever I know equally the same uh, because uh, it's a big topic and uh, we need more Americans joining the conversation uh, on the same line so that we understand exactly build on what we already know, you and I. I agree because, uh, you know, making statements is important, but the point of view uh, can be varied and the sharpness of it and the depth of of insight to it is what makes it valuable. Uh, thank you again, Bill, for coming on the Tory Says Show. Thank you for okay. having me. Thank you, Bill. It was, it was an incredible interview. How did you guys like it? I mean... See, this is how different perspectives and different um, viewpoints on things we've been talking about kind of come together. Because in the end, even the Democrats and the Republicans, even though they're on opposite side of the spectrums, they still have the same foundations in regards to basic notions. Uh, either they be nefarious in, in sense or either be uh, in a positive sense. Uh, conversations always bring out the facts, and the facts are what leads us to the truth, of course. Always, right, guys? The truth is always hidden in between the words. How many times have we said that on the Tory Says Show, right? So, you know, that was an incredible interview that I wholeheartedly enjoyed, more so um, the elaboration on, um, you know, from, you know, Bill's perspective, but how 
you see what I've been saying for a year points are manifesting through his. Uh, so I wanted to say that I've been kind of observing, uh, uh, the news today and there it's really, really confusing, isn't it guys? It seems really confusing. We have the president asking people to stand with Alaska and that's something that we're going to uh, be discussing tomorrow. Uh, I didn't think that it was going to be coming out so soon, but um, the governor of the great state of Alaska, remember the state that actually redistributes the wealth to the people, like actually pays them a cut. Like if you live in Alaska, you actually get paid to be there because they're making money off of natural resources. Unlike the state of North Dakota that hoards it all. Uh, you know, they've got, let's pretend they have 20 counties, 19 of them have oil and they won't tell you which ones, uh, they keep it under lock and key. So corrupt, right? And they separate mineral rights from land rights. So corrupt, but that's another topic on its own. But what's happening now is that the Democrats are kind of forcing this governor, um, out. They're trying to recall him. Okay. Because he is creating a great economy for Alaska. He is protecting our military. Again, I refer to the missile bases and so many other things, and they just don't care. The Democrats, the president tweets, please stop the Dems from hurting a very good, hardworking man. Stand tall with Mike.com. That tells you a lot. Imagine they're trying to recall him for doing his job. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about Alaska. A lot of things we don't want to talk about right now. But we need to be more careful on how we process our information in respects to how how we receive it in our you know, obviously all sound comes through your ears, but your brain analyzes it in certain ways. So hopefully with objectivity, you'll be able to weed out the rubbish, the perfume, the obfuscation, the pigs with red lipstick. You know, I, I'm just saying, you know, you can slap lipstick on a pig, still a pig, right? So um, that's basically what you want to remember. Um I saw uh, a, a friend of mine actually DM'd me uh, while Bill was talking uh, a tweet about California gas prices. You guys, oh my gosh, like they are paying literally $6.72. Well, the cheapest one is $6.48 per gallon. So that means you need like over $100 to fill your car up if you're on empty. And that's if you only take 20 gallons. That's insane. That is insane. Now, you know, I, um, uh, I was thinking, you know, during the break before I, um, had this interview with Bill, you know, with all these fires that are going on in California, could they blame any other fires coming out somewhere else, uh, you know, on that? Or could it be little airplanes crashing into like apartment buildings randomly, uh, that may indeed, uh, you know, be testing the waters to see how it happens? I mean, how do you fly, uh, you know, an airplane into a building and not get detected? I've said that again for 9-11 and this is like 19, 18 years ago. <laughs> long time ago when technology was different. But if you were flying in New York City airspace and you had 
no right to be there, you'd be shot down. I don't care how many people you carry. Uh, that's a call that they would do. Uh, so, you know, here we have, you know, a situation where the evil and nefarious ruling class, uh, you know, is losing power. They know they've lost power. They are answering to others and they are desperate. They are pulling, you know, any card out of any disgusting, nefarious, evil hat they can because they will do anything to have power. They will destroy this very nation in a heartbeat to have power. I mean, I don't see how Democrats don't see. I mean, I, I, there are Democrats that see it. I mean, they're tired of this. Impeach, impeach, impeach. First it's Russia, now it's the Ukraine. You know, yesterday I spent the whole hour talking about Vinman and how it's treason. And, you know, earlier in the show I was talking to you about Ulyat. Like, how do we have people be, oh, he, or, you know, nobody cares. Nobody cares if you served in the armed forces. You're still treasonous. That doesn't give you a free card. Uh, McCain was, you know, a prisoner. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean he can't be evil and against his own nation. Uh, hiding in plain sight is always the way things go. And, you know, the devil's biggest trick is pr- making you believe that he doesn't even exist. This is a really, really bad time. For us to be around um, and not be independent in thought because it will indeed history will not be kind to you if you're on the wrong side of uh, this war because this is war. Now, I wanted to say um, the president just <laughs> just tweeted out a dog getting a medal. I love it. I absolutely love it. The fact that the dog knew about the mission and the Democrats didn't. The fact that a dog bit al-Baghdadi before he died, which means he's not getting in 72 virgins. You know, these are all trolls, and I love it. And it's dangerous. But again, if we can see or travel back in time to fix, uh, I guess they can too. So that is something that we need to remember Kind of like the way they monitor us, we can monitor them. Uh, you know, the other day I was tweeting out, where's Gina Haspel, remember? And it was so awesome, you know, because I felt like, hey, here's your answer. Uh, the president actually said, oh, you know, Gina Haspel helped a lot in this whole al-Baghdadi thing. That's great. Maybe next question should be, yo, where's Christopher Ray? I want to know where Christopher Ray is. Don't you? I mean, is he going to be on CNN maybe or is anybody going to ask him a question maybe or who knows? Now, uh, uh, one remark that I want to make on the Armenian genocide, of course, Ilhan Omar was not going to vote for it. Come on, you guys. You know, it's like, you know, she was like, oh, no, we have so many other atrocities. Yeah, it's like saying, oh, my gosh, you mean we found the cure for breast cancer? Well, well, I'm not signing it and I'm not acknowledging it as a cure until you cure all of the cancers. And so it's not really a cure until everything is cured. That's the basic simile of what she was saying. But regardless, you know, she's a Qatari agent. She's never uh, going to bite the hand that feeds her. Uh, so she's never going to say it. Now, 
The Washington Post, a.k.a. Al Jazeera, is coming under a lot of fire. Um, you know, obviously, I I told you that the New York Times and uh, the uh, Washington Post are not, you know, going to be... Uh, the government's no longer paying for them. And you know how you know this is because I just got the best promoted tweet in my uh, Twitter feed that I can't wait to tweet out once I screenshot. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's hilarious. It's the New York Times putting out uh, a tweet saying two thirds of our operating budget is dependent on subscriptions, which are vital to keeping our 1,600 journalists reporting from over 160 countries. (laughs) It means the New York Times are going bust. That's what it means. And see, this is how you tackle fake news. We were able to take Al Jazeera, uh, I mean the Washington Post, out of the equation super quick. Because no money from the government agencies. Nobody's getting your newspaper anymore. And, um, you know, bottom line is they're going broke. And that's what's hilarious. So I'll be tweeting that out in, in just a bit. I mean, it's hilarious. This is what happens when you're found. Now, for Washington Post, the reason that they were taken off, from what I know, is because they have been getting money from Qatar, which is a foreign government, which means Bezos has a lot of problems coming his way. A lot of them. Now, keep your eyes open for any hint. See something. Say something. It's important we do. Because, see, I saw that random thing about, you know, the globalist federation and who knows, maybe that above ground drug bust wasn't really a drug bust, who knows. What we do know is that if you see something, just say it. It's not going to hurt. You could do it anonymously. On that note, God bless from everyone at Red State.